It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hey there, Ashley Frasca with you. Thank you for tuning in to Green and Growing on another Saturday morning. Here we are together. It's going to be a hot one. It's going to be a little bit cooler than it has been, though. I think the meteorologists were saying like 14 straight days of highs above 90 degrees. So we may get a little relief this weekend if you consider four or five degrees a little bit of relief. I do because I can spend a lot more time outside when I'm just not so hot and muggy and humid and sticky. I can't stand it. So I want to hear what you've been doing out in your garden because summertime is a struggle for gardeners. Yes, we're tending to our vegetable gardens, but it doesn't feel like there's a lot of other things to be doing other than just routine maintenance. And sometimes it's so hot, you just forego some of those things that you know you should be doing. And you're like, yeah, I'll wait till the evening to do it. Oh, didn't do it. Oh, I'll wait till tomorrow. So I just want, I'm interested in what you all have been doing just to sustain yourself over these last few hot weeks. 404-872-0750 is the number. You can call Green and Growing all three hours. Ask any question, and I'll be honest if I don't have the answer, but ask any question and also to share experiences too. I love that we talked to someone last Saturday about him planting corn, and it's something he's always done. He had a couple of questions about it, but I like learning from all of you. And then we also had a caller who shared um, his own recipe for treating, um, gosh, what was it? It was treating aphids, his own homemade detergent type thing for uh, treating aphids. Whether or not scientifically it's proven to work, I don't know, but it worked for him. He swore it worked for him. And I even had people message me offline saying, hey, what was his recipe? Because I want to try that too. So those are the kinds of things we can share here. 404-872-0750. A lot to get into today. Walter, he's going to call at the bottom of the hour. Walter Reeves, the former host of the Lawn and Garden Show. And we're going to be talking about birds. What foods attract what birds if you're trying to draw certain birds into your landscape and your area. We talk, break down the different foods that you maybe need to be buying. And then you have heard radio commercials right here on WSB for our 20th annual Carathon, benefiting Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. That happens this Thursday and Friday. I've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes on that. So I've been really amped up about it for the last couple of months, but really glad it's finally going to be here on Thursday and Friday, like our 37-hour straight broadcast benefiting their Aflac Cancer and Blood Disorder Center. And so at 7 o'clock, my celebrity gardener is going to be somebody special calling in from children, so I can't wait to share that with you. Up first, on the phones, you know she calls almost every Saturday morning. Hey, Nicole, how are you? Ashley. Hey, what's going on? Mr. Reeve okay? Yeah, I think so. Um, He recently sent me a text message of his haircut. So I got the before and the after, and obviously I haven't seen him in person. The before was kind of scary, but the after, he's back to himself. All right, all right, (laughs) all right. So how about you? Um, everything is okay. Just a little change of space. I always thought that August was the slowest month for gardener. Oh, it seems to be July, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because August, it's too hot. All this stuff, we try to uh, keep them alive. Because I already saw the pine tree yesterday dropping the pine needles. So maybe sometime in August... It's survival survival mode. 
Yeah, it is. And it feels like it's been that way this month as well. Now, granted, I, I still want you to go to the nurseries. You can be planting annuals. There are perennials you can be planting, and they're still going to be blooming for months into the fall. You know, there is always stuff to do. But the one thing I'm excited about, Nicole, and it's not too late, I know I think folks are starting seed for maybe their cool season gardens. But right now is like the cutoff, like the end of July for our zones to plant pumpkin seeds. And I am so stoked about doing that. Like I'm going to plant a couple of pumpkin seeds. I know exactly where in my yard I want them just because they have room to vine. And I'm going to hope to, for the first time, grow my own pumpkin for, for October, November. You gotta have a lots of room because they're gonna come and inside your house. <laughs> okay, the vine that's... is so the vine is so uh, strong. Even just little vine, they're just to love to climb and go all over the place. Your pumpkins is like three thousand pound pumpkins. What? Uh, when whenever they grow, damn, you know, I don't know. They they nourish them with milk. And I saw an article one day, it's thousand pound pumpkins. Wow, is that like a Guinness Book of World Records somewhere? I think so. Holy cow, we need to Google that. We need to look that up. If anybody does, let me know. <laughs> so yes, what's they uh, grow they have to grow them on the skin because it's too heavy to for men to lift. Yeah, so that way it's just automatically <laughs> already like on some platform so they can move yes. it. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, it's early to start thinking about fall, but I'm excited for that opportunity. So what you got about peach trees today? I'm going to the peach farm and a blueberry. My blueberry, um, they're already done. So I like to go to that place. It's uh, in Concord of Iowa 362, and they have peach ice cream. And they have a place outside you can sit and a lot of... Bicycle people that go, they like to go in the country because they don't have to face all those cars. Sure. So they took all small road, and like 10, 15 of them, they just stop there and eat some ice cream and keep going. But they have peach. They have 20 variety of peach. Oh, so you know their season is really long because adding more variety. It's for them the season is longer because it's anything on farm that is seasonal. Mm -hmm. You have to plan on those two three months of production. Right. You know the 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 milk farm it's all year round. The pork farm is all year round. But when it comes to produce, you know they have to concentrate on the. But it's a nice place. I mean, they're just uh, it's in the. To me, that's why it is so good because it's in the valley, and they always have um, early in the morning a, a deep um, a dew that keeps the, the stuff cold. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> that's why I like to go there. So and, do you uh, actually pick the peaches out of the orchard, or are they already picked for you? You can either way. You can, oh, cool. but they kind of like to have them pick because they know exactly, you know. But they always have uh, lots of kids work there, you know, before school, uh, before uh, going to college to make them a little money. Yeah, you know? gosh, that would be a great job. I mean, other than the heat, just being outside, being around the plants and stuff, and maybe you have your 
your little earphones in and you're just jamming out to some music while you're enjoying being outside, I would imagine the time would pass quickly. But that sounds so <laughs> nice to me. That sounds so relaxing. Yes, it's a, it's a nice place. I go uh, every year. I always go to the same place. And uh, those are nice people. And um, they built around it. have a big deck now. They can, you know, there's lots of room outside. They have, I don't know how many acres that they, they have, but... Uh, it's just a nice place to go. One of our hosts, I can't remember who, it might be Eric Erickson, gave out a recipe years ago. I, I think it was, I want to say Herman too, but Herman doesn't cook uh, Herman Cain. But I think he gave out a recipe for peach ice cream. And I know people have made ice cream before and all these listeners are, you know, from the South and are like, Ashley, oh my gosh. And I have, I mean, I grew up here and I've never made my own homemade ice cream, but peach ice cream sounds really good. Something to try. Yeah, boy, it's just, uh, you know, a lot of work for them. But uh, I think uh, that's another addiction. Once you taste, you know, when you taste the, the the ice cream from the store. You oh, know? yeah. But it's so creamy and so... Uh, so give me a, a heads up on what you see that's kind of struggling in this summer heat. Do you see anything that's particularly having a tough time or something that's a little more disease-ridden or anything like that? Or does everything look okay in your area? Uh, pretty much, you know. Uh, I cut a grass yesterday and I was thinking, people, you cut your grass too short. Let it go a little bit and seed, and the grass going to recede itself. Mm-hmm. And so buying those $50 bag of seed that, are not even fresh. Seeds are really important. You know, they need to uh, turn their stock. You know, they just come and change the sticker in the store. So you wind up with uh, seeds that are no good. Collect your own seed, like zinnia seed. Collect your own seed. Because some of the seeds are five years in the store, seeds are no good. Yeah, it's so disappointing. You're You're so excited. Your pumpkin seed, try to... uh, Ah, the seed company in Jackson is the best. They've been in business since 1914 or something. Are you talking about Adams Briscoe? Yes. Yes, yes, ma'am. I know Jimmy and Jeannie very well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think gardeners are going to get excited about the ventures of trying new things. And good for all of you who may try to start your cool season vegetables, some of them indoors from seed. I did that back in February with the summer stuff, and it's... I may give it another try, but I need a break. That was just a lot of uh, heartache for me. So I don't think I'm going to be doing the uh, starting the seed inside for the cool season crops. But I'm ready. I mean, I'm definitely ready to plant when the time comes. So still have some little cucumbers that are forming on my vines and not much tomato production. But I know exactly what the problem is and exactly what not to do next year. So, you know, we live and learn. What can you say? Live and learn. But yeah, it's always a challenge because yeah. that's what distress us from yeah. the traffic, from people around us. Yes, know? and zinnia seed, like you said, that is absolutely easy to get the zinnias and sunflower seeds too. Get the seeds from those flowers now once they dry out a little bit and you keep them for next year. You know, that's that's a great idea. All right, Ashley. All right, well, good to catch up with you, Nicole. Thanks so much for calling. Enjoy your day. All right, you too. Have a great Saturday. Stay cool out there. 404-872-0750. See anything you're trying or any plant that you're going to try to harvest seed from and save for the next year. Maybe share with others. Give us some ideas. I wish I had... I had a ton of pumpkin seeds last year from a friend. She gave me a Ziploc bag full because we don't have children, so we don't do the whole 
pumpkin carving thing at Halloween or whatever, but she gave me a Ziploc bag full of pumpkin seeds. And my intention was to roast them. Never got around to it. They sat in the refrigerator. I had to throw them out, which made me sick because I should have saved them. So now I went on Facebook yesterday soliciting seed from people. I was like, hey, anybody got any pumpkin seed I can try? And I, I definitely got some uh, got some answers, but that's what I'm so excited to try. So coming up, your calls. We've got um, Temple calling a pest on his hemlock tree and Annette and Marietta, something about angel trumpet plants. So we want to talk to you as well. 404-872-0750. This is Green and Growing on WSB. Presidents of the United States of America. Peaches. Good job, Jason. Oh, my God. That takes me back to high school. All right. We're going to give you a weather update, and you'll get the full forecast coming up in about 10 minutes. This is brought to you by... This song's so cool. Uh, this is brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, there is a chance for rain it's going to be, uh, well, 71 degrees right now, high of around 90, calm winds, no big deal there. But rain in the forecast, well, I'll just give you a heads up now, for the next five days. Scattered thunderstorms, again, it's summertime in the south, so scattered thunderstorms uh, tomorrow through perhaps Thursday. Green and Growing! Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Well, that was an easy forecast, and this, the three, the uh, top three list is something easy as well for you to do in the landscape if you don't have a lot of time. Like Nicole and I were talking about some tasks it's just a little too hot to be doing right now, but one, you want to pick squash regularly. You've got to do that to keep up production. If the vines wilt, just check the base of the stem for sawdust. You're going to be looking out for squash borers and remove the infected plants. And then it's just a good idea to change your planting location to hopefully prevent new plants from being attacked. Number two, we talked about seed. To harvest sunflower seeds, here's what you do. Let the flower dry on or off the stem and then harvest it when the back of the sunflower head turns brown and just rub your hand over the seeded area or pull the seeds out with a fork. You can even do that. And number three, it's the last chance to plant pumpkin seeds. I really gave this away already. Sow them about an inch deep and you've got a mulch. So you really, according to the University of Georgia Extension, have until about the end of this month to do that. They need a place that receives 8 to 10 hours of sun and plenty of rooms for the vine to spread. 404-872-0750. Good morning, Temple, calling from Rockdale County. How are you? Good morning, Ashley. Hey. Um, I have a problem with my hemlocks. I'm I'm in love with hemlocks. Mm-hmm. I love the little cones and to use at Christmas time, and I think the graceful limbs on the tree are are just unequaled. And over the years, around a pasture, I have planted 30 or 40 small hemlocks. I would get them in the mountains, uh, growing maybe three inches, and put them in a rotted-out log until oh. they got bigger. And then I have planted them around a meadow. Wow. And now, unfortunately, they've all got the woolly adelgid, and mm-hmm. I'm really worried about them. Um, I... I injected or had somebody inject them three about three years ago but uh they've got all this stuff on them right now and i wondered if it was too late in the season to try to inject them or get somebody to inject around the roots again i would definitely have a certified arborist come out and look at that we had an arborist on the show maybe three months back and he did speak about this the hwa the hemlock woolly adelgid um, really being a problem. And for those of you who don't know, do you have Temple, do you have Eastern hemlocks or the Canadian? Probably Eastern, right? I guess they're Eastern. I just pulled the small seedlings from the from the woods, from the forest. Okay. So yeah, I mean, hemlock trees, a foundation species of forest, really. And what you're looking at with the HWA, the hemlock woolly adelgid, 
is the underside of the needle. And then at the base, that's where they live and they create that white woolly substance around themselves to protect themselves. And so, yeah, I mean, that has swept out forests in the New England area in the Northeast. So well, I've got I think a g- even in the Appalachian Mountains, too, yeah. uh, North Carolina, they're decimated. Oh. But I've, tr- I've worked so hard on these, and I said, as I said, I'm in love with hemlocks, so I really want to do what I can to save them. But yes, and it's amazing. It's great that you've already had them injected and treated. So have you um, had much interaction, too, with the uh, Extension Service in Rockdale County there? No. Okay, that may be a place to start, or um, just finding an arborist. And I always forget that website. I think it's georgiaarborist.org. Um Yes, spell out georgiaarborist.org, and that way you can locate someone in your area to come okay. and take a look at it. Because I know they're on top of it. That's definitely something in their industry that they're on top of right now. I would go that route because, honestly, timing-wise, I'm not sure of the life cycle of HWA, so I just don't know when the most effective time is to be doing that. But you are on the right track, and I'm so glad you're keeping an eye out, too. Um, if you stay on the line, Temple, too, I want to send you a great publication from the Harvard Forest. They do a lot of research about hemlocks and all of that. And they've oh, got some great. great stuff. A lot of it you may already know, but some of it's just very helpful. And there's also a video there, too, where the guy's kind of walking through and showing us HWA and all of that. So stay on the line. Do you have an email address you'll be able to give us? Yes. Okay, great. That's that's what I'll do. And follow up with me and let me know, because you are the first call that I've received this year about that. And I'm so proud of you. I mean, it sounds like you've put a lot of time into that. So I I want you to keep us up to date. Yeah. If they're able to do another injection now, or if maybe there's another route. So yeah, let me put you back on hold and good luck. Keep in touch with me. Okay. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you, Temple. That sounds amazing too. So hemlocks, you got to look out for that. And there's also another non-native pest elongate hemlock scale. So those beautiful conifers and evergreens, they are subject to pests just as anything else is, but you've got to stay on top of it. That's why you spend a lot of time outside and look at the world around. You make those observations and we can get on something ahead of time before it becomes a problem. More of your calls on Green and Growing and we'll talk to Walter Reeves. Stay tuned. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. And he's back, ladies and gentlemen, for another Saturday edition of Walter Wonders. Good morning, Walter Reeves. He's back and he's bad. He's back and you're glad. Here he is, <laughs> Walter Reeves, old Mac Disco Dove on your radio. Early on a Saturday morning. That's right. 6.30 every Saturday we do this. And I look forward to it. It's so educational. It's so much fun. You are still every day out there noticing things, seeing things, taking note of things that you see in the landscape. And this yeah. recent one you told me about. Not a huge fan, but better that you had rats in your yard than in your house. Exactly. Yeah. And I had a rat in my yard. I say had because I caught him 
in my live trap in the backyard underneath my bird feeder, and he went to another place. He went over to some other, I'm not going to say where, my neighborhood was far <laughs> enough away that they can deal with there, not my neighbor's backyard. And so this rat that I got caught in my backyard, I thought, hey, you're here because my bird feeder has a little bit of sunflower seed holes and stuff on the ground underneath it. No doubt the rat thought, hmm, if there's sunflower holes here, there must be sunflower seeds somewhere around. So the rat mm-hmm. came, and of course I see chipmunks and squirrels and things like that as well. But I was glad to get rid of the rat. I don't like them. don't like them at all. No, and you don't want to share um, expensive bird seed with them either. Well, you know, that's the deal. You, you have to use the expensive seed because if you use the cheap seed, they'll have things like uh, cracked corn and wheat and milo, sorghum, all those things like that, that the songbirds really don't like to eat so much. They love black oil sunflower seed. They love that. But if you put the cheap stuff in your seed or if you buy the cheap stuff originally and put them in your feeder, then the birds just sort of knock it off and put it on the ground for the rats and the squirrels and stuff to come eat. And that is not a not a good thing. So I always use black oil sunflower seed. That's the only thing I use in my feeder. And I bet cardinals love that, don't they? they oh, yeah, sure. Cardinals love it. Well, let's talk about some other types of bird seed because there's there's one that annoys me and you have now filled me in on what exactly it is. If you buy a less expensive bird seed, there is good uh-huh. stuff in there, but those tiny little beige or almost brown, perfectly round little balls seem to me to yeah. just be a filler. What is that? Yeah. Uh, was it Milo? Sorghum, probably. Yeah. yeah. One or the other. They'll sprout sometimes. It's sort of interesting to see. You'll see the sorghum plant will sprout underneath a bird, bird feeder, and uh, it's oh, three feet tall, I guess. It has a big seed head on top of it. And uh, it's not bad, I guess, to have one out there. The birds some, sometimes come and eat it, of course, but it's interesting to see the plant. If you've never seen a, a sorghum plant before, it's interesting to see under under a bird feeder. Corn sometimes, too, and sunflowers as well. Sunflowers, that's a great go-to. And you know what attracts, what in my experience has attracted woodpeckers, if I like to see the red-bellied woodpecker who's longer, oh, yeah. or the little short black and white downy one. They like yeah. nuts, anything with Ooh. nuts and seeds. I mean, it could even be peanuts. They'll grab those out of the feeder, and they're happy as could be. I don't have enough money in my pocket. You must be making a big bucks there at the radio station. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I forego I'm eating not... peanuts so that the birds can have them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Now, did you tell me you used th- thistle seeds? Did you have a thistle feeder? Yeah, so thistle or niger. So niger uh-huh. is like the little black pellet type seed. And I think that that really attracts the American goldfinch. Is that the feeder that's like a sock you hang in the, hang in the Either air? that, yep, or... You know, like a, a hummingbird feeder will have red on it to attract the yeah. hummingbirds. So I've always seen this American goldfinch, the feeders with Niger, they have yellow. So it's almost huh. like you coordinate the yellow on the feeder with, you know, it attracting uh-huh. the goldfinch. But the whole, you have to use that specific feeder or like you're saying, the sock type feeder because that's yeah. how the Niger seed won't just all spill out. The openings are very different. Uh-huh. Um, and the perch is a little bit different too for the finch versus your standard bird feeder, which may have a circle on it, you know, just a different way for the birds to land. But yeah, the Niger works great. In my experience, you don't want to fill the feeder up each time, though, because you end up wasting so much. If it stays wet and moist, it clumps together and molds so quickly. That's a great idea. Great, great advice. Yep. So maybe fill it up halfway or so. Now you tell me, and I know you've got some of these hummingbird feeders. 
Oh yeah, the, I've got two kinds. One is sort of a tube, a long tube with feeders along <clears throat> along the tube, and then the other one is just a classic glass thing with little feeders around it. And the hummingbirds have come back through right now. They're migrating down from the upper United States through Georgia, and they're going to South America to overwinter. And so the hummingbirds that are coming through need to be, to be fed. So make sure your hummingbird feeders are full of nectar so the hummingbirds that come by can stock up for energy to do the big flight they have to do. That's right. So hummingbird, that nectar, very easy to make yourself. You use four parts oh, yeah. water, one part sugar. You don't even have to boil the water. It just needs to be hot enough to melt the sugar. And that's so simple and easy. And you do and not... And doesn't have to be red either. Exactly. You don't have to put food coloring in it. That so. is such a myth. One of those we talked last week about some of the... Silly little myths like that doesn't have to be red. It probably shouldn't be, honestly. If the feeder has red on yeah. it, that's sufficient. And if you have flowers around that have red in them, like uh, daylilies and dahlias and things of that nature, then that brings them in as well. And I haven't really used a lot of suet this year, but what's your thought on suet? Nothing better in the wintertime. If you like woodpeckers, you will love a suet feeder because they will come from everywhere to get the suet. Suet is my great go-to in the winter. I don't put suet in the summertime because I figure the woodpeckers have enough to eat from my other feeder. But in the winter, it gives them a lot of energy to that fatty kind of lard uh, texture of the suet with the seeds mixed into it. Boy, I love my suet feeders in the wintertime. And now one thing that I want you to use, and you probably already do, to attract bluebirds. So uh, about a month ago, I went to Green Meadows Preserve out in West Cobb County and got to mm-hmm. visit with Jim Bearden, who does all the bluebird nests and boxes oh, out cool. there. Yes, and he taught me so much about the bluebirds, and they're you know actually still laying eggs and hatching broods now. But they love dried mealworms. That's that's a good garden standby, isn't it? To have mealworms. Did he have them feeding out of his hand? No, not the time I was there, but they might. Yeah, you put the mealworms in your hand, Mm. and you could train bluebirds to come and eat out of your hand because they love the mealworms so much. They love them, and they'll come and eat out of your hand. So almost everything we've named, that attracts woodpeckers again as well, and chickadees, and chickadees also like the niger seed. So you could just see a variety of every bird. Now, I want to ask you this before I let you go. You're what? very crafty constructing things over the years. We've talked about <laughs> carpenter bee traps and garden design and all of these things. Do you have a blueprint for any kind of uh, birdhouse that you've ever made? Yeah, uh, not that I have per- personally, but I go online and there's two or three bluebird associations, national organizations for bluebirds, and they have the plants there. And they're really easy to make. I've made probably a dozen in the last oh. two or three years. Cool. And I give them to my neighbors and, you know, just post, post around my yard, too. The key, I think, on a bluebird house is the size of the hole. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, the size of the hole makes a difference because if you don't put it the right size, different other birds, the uh, titmice and um uh, what else would go in there? Sparrows, might, wrens, might, yeah. Come in and make the hole just perfect. The bluebirds will come and go into the birdhouse. And if you have a little metal liner, which I make out of a piece of a metal ring around the hole so the squirrels can't chew it up, then it stays the same size and the bluebirds come every year. And you know what I learned from Jim Bearden as well? Tell, tell which me. you probably already know. And I definitely had to uh, ask Mickey Gazaway this a number of years ago just because I couldn't keep it straight. But yes, Jim confirms the size of the hole, and it needs to be, when you do a bluebird nest or a bluebird house, it's got to be facing east for a couple of different oh, really? reasons. Yep. Why? So that 
is rarely the direction storms come from, so they're a little bit uh-huh. better protected when it faces the east. And also oh. because they like that morning warmth, that morning sun, uh-huh. and then don't necessarily have to tolerate the hotter part of the afternoon as the sun begins to move. And six feet up is, oh, is how high they need to be mounted. Yes. That's great know. information. You know, I've got one more bit of information I'll just add to the tail end of yeah. our conversation about birds. Actually. That is, what do you do with a baby bird that you find that's, Falling out of the nest or is trying to learn to fly and hadn't quite got off the ground yet. And the question is, can you pick it up? Will the mama bird smell it and then get rid of it? Not, right. not want to be with it anymore. The answer is, take it up, pick it up with your hands, put it into a shrub nearby, and leave it alone. The mother bird is probably nearby looking at you and thinking, if you just leave my baby alone, I will feed it fine, take care of it fine, and learn to fly fine. Just don't try to bring it inside, put it in a box or something like that and feed it worms. That doesn't work. So the fact that you've touched it, though, doesn't deter the mother? Not at all. That is good news. And also, uh, we just could keep going. We could keep bouncing <laughs> off of each other for sure with stuff like this. You and I spoke early on, maybe in the spring, about when you find a bird down as well, not necessarily a baby, but maybe one that's had that uh, bump into the window or the glass door yeah. or something like that. What about picking those guys up and giving them a safe place to just kind of yeah. stop the stars from spinning around their head yeah, when they exactly. eventually get up and leave? Same thing, yeah. Just put them in a place of safe so the cats and predators can get to them and they'll eventually figure things out and hopefully be able to fly away. So many good little tidbits here, Walter. I think I what I'm going to do is after the show, type up just a couple of these things, you know, common foods to use to attract certain birds and little tidbits that you and I just shared. And I'll post that on the Facebook page. I'll post that on Green and Growing WSB. I look forward to seeing it. I love it. All right. Well, always good to hear from you. We will talk to you soon. See you later, Ashley. Birding is always in the forefront of my mind when we talk about being outdoors and talk about gardening. So thank you, Walter. That was really, really fun. 404-872-0750. Up next is Annette in Marietta. Hey, welcome to the show. Hey, Ashley. So nice to talk with you. You too. Thanks for calling. What's going on? Well, first I have to say, I used to listen to Walter when I lived back in Decatur, when he had the whole show. Mm-hmm. And I always learn so much, so it's nice to hear him again. But um, I wanted to talk about the angel trumpet plants, because when you started the show, you, it, it sort of sounded as though it's like, oh, it's so hot, it's so muggy, it's so sticky, and it's August, and uh, you know. But <laughs> You could tell I our, wasn't really a big fan of the 90-degree heat, huh? <laughs> I know, but the, our garden is just, we can't wait to do Lots of things every day, you know, we're just so excited because instead of having grass, you know, like a yard, we have um, sort of islands and and curlicues and lots of different shaped beds and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so one of the beds is um, has two, only two, angel trumpet plants. Wow. And I started it under a tree, which might have been a mistake because... I did have to cut through a few little roots, um, but you know, got the soil going really well, and 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 the and, and the plants have been successful, so successful that their leaves are huge, and they're very dark green. But when they don't have quite enough water, they just flop, they just oh. drop. I mean, they just look horrible, so pitiful. But my husband and I will be out on the bench having lunch, and we'll. We'll put the hose just underneath the angel trumpet plants, mm-hmm. and as 
we eating as we're eating our lunch, we can watch the leaves begin to start up. It's otherworldly. It looks like something from another planet. Isn't that something? <laughs> by the time we finish lunch, they'll be, you know, perky and straight out and everything. But strangely, in another bed, in the full sun, was the first plant was not in the full sun, but in in another spot where we really didn't work the soil very much, mm-hmm. and and we just stuck a bunch of sticks in there. You know, the plants never droop. They're toughing it out. They do just really well. They're not as tall. Uh-huh. They're you know maybe two feet tall, whereas the one in the more shady area under the tree is about five feet tall. Well, and it could be interesting to see the difference in the two. And the one under the tree could be competing with that tree for the the water and the nutrients. But I want to ask you real quick before we go to break, Annette, do you have more of, is it more of a shrub form or is it growing almost like a small tree? Um, It has uh, roots on either side of the stems. uh, I mean, leaves on either side of the stems. Uh, and we haven't popped it off or anything, so it's just basically two 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 main stems, you know, with lots of really big leaves. How tall? Um, so, uh, but it's just interesting to see that the way the two and a neighbor who gave us the sticks originally has three in front of his home, mm-hmm. where there may be twenty or thirty sticks in each plant is like a shrub. Right, right. And pretty soon they're going to be blooming and they'll just be awesome. And do they, for you, do they make good long-lasting cut flowers or do you just not do that? I've never, well, see, I've ne- this is my first year actually having them. Okay. So I don't know. We'll have to see, but I'll report back to you on yeah, that. Yeah, and Annette, if you're on Facebook, I would love to see that because the pictures that I've seen in Southern Living, like, I can only imagine how beautiful that could be. So if you're on Facebook, look up my page, Green and Growing WSB, and share pictures, if you will. Post them on that Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB. I'd love for you to be able to brag about it and show everybody these beautiful angel trumpets. Thank you so much for calling, Annette. We're going to be talking to Tommy, Fran, and Sylvia all coming up. And your calls too, 404-872-0750. You're listening to Green and Growing. Thank you, Scott. We are back on Green and Growing, a weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Right now, it's about 72 degrees in Midtown Atlanta. The the, uh, the meteorologist forecast here says chance of rain today, 0%. I don't think that's been updated because it's, it's not at all. So I'm just going to give you the high and the low. How about that? I'm having some technical issues this morning. High of around 90, low of around 72, calm winds, and then a big chance for scattered thunderstorms for the next five or six days. So... More of your calls on Green and Growing. I'm no meteorologist. I just read what I'm given. 404-872-0750. Hey, Fran in Stone Mountain, good morning. we got a minute to talk to you. Well, thank you. Um, I have a problem. I have St. Augustine grass that does beautifully, except I've gotten a weed in there, and I did take it to the Snowville Garden Shop, and they told me it was called um, bamboo weed. Yeah. And he said it's very aggressive, and he recommended that I use Roundup on it. The only question I have is, is there anything else that I could use? Because I know Roundup's going to kill the grass, the St. Augustine also. Yeah, Roundup is just so tough. I mean, that is non-selective, kills everything it come in con- comes in contact with. And St. Augustine grass is very particular about weed control as well. So if it's just overwhelming you and you can't manually remove it, um, using a broadleaf weed killer, something with a 2,4-D, 
that's going to be one of the active ingredients, like a, a broadleaf weed killer 2,4-D. Or also, I, I dug a little bit deeper for you, Fran, to kind of figure uh-huh. out, not knowing okay. what weed you had, but professionals use... Uh, weed killers in St. Augustine, because like I said, it's it's so different than any other oh, it season is. grass that we're talking about. Yeah. So Certainty is a brand, and I don't know you landscapers out there will be screaming at the radio like, dude, she, she can't buy that residentially. I don't know, but Certainty is oh. a brand. And the active ingredient is sulfo sulfron. Sulfo sulfron. Oh. And that controls a lot of sedges, things like that. Again, broadleaf weeds that are growing in warm season turf grasses like St. Augustine. So S U L F O S U L Furon, F U R O N. So see if you can dig up any research about that, Fran. That's going to be an active ingredient that's safe for use in St. Augustine grass. That's something professionals use, but I would go with the manual removal first. I always recommend that if the weed is just not too overwhelming for you. We will be back with more lawn and garden questions. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening this morning to Green and Growing. I'm Ashley Frasca here on WSB. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.